Dedicated Followers of Fashion is proudly sponsored by Mod Shoes, smart shoes for smart people. Check out their latest range of men's and women's shoes, as well as their clothing range, 66 Clothing, over at modshoes.co.uk. But right now, Dedicated Followers of Fashion Episode 1, Style Icons. Followers of Fashion, the podcast where we talk about the relationship between clothes, movies and music and how closely linked they are. I'm Tom Hoy, I'm a DJ from Manchester. You may have heard my radio show Go Go Power on Totally Wide Radio or seen me on Instagram at Tom the Mod. Yeah, hi, uh, my name's Simon Parr and uh, I am from Heritage Brands. So I'm an agent for Gabici Vintage, Guards London, Gibson London, Real Hoxton, Tootle scarves, dust marker hats, and college scarves. And uh, my Instagram is heritage.brands.inc and Simon C. Parr, 6363. Good man. Well, I'm Andrew Lindsay. I'm the owner and manager of whatever you want, want to call it, of that Montu's. Been doing that for many years. So I suppose I'm probably on this podcast because I don't know, like these two fellas, I've worked in the industry for a little while, even though. I've done lots of different jobs for a living. And WW Mod Shoes, what else do you need to know? Very good. And to check out future episodes and more, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Dedicated Followers of Fashion. If you've got a topic you think we should discuss, then simply email us and give us a shout or simply say hi at dedicatedfollowerspodcast at gmail.com. This week, we decided just to say hello and introduce ourselves to everyone. We talk about our own fashion icons. We'll start things off this week with Andy. Who have you picked? Well, I've picked um, my first icon. I picked my first icon because they were literally my first icon. Uh, um, I mean, some people might say they're dad and things like that, which is, you know, fine. But uh, over here, which as they can't hear if they're listening to us, but over here in my hand, I've got the Beatles oldies but goldies. Wow. And um, when I was five years old, uh, my dad used to have this on a, one of those kind of very, you know, one piece record players you know with the speaker in the front and all that sort of stuff it was actually battery powered as well and um long story short dad would play this and i my first ever memory literally my first memory is this record being played on that record player and uh, um on the back it's got the beatles and very quickly I, I was trying to work out why george harrison and it's this picture which um if you've got the beatles for sale album when you undo it, it comes in a gatefold sleeve like this, and it enters like that. And just there is the Beatles playing, I think, Washington in America. And there's George right in the middle, looking really cool with his Gretsch. And I must have seen pictures. I, I remember I was only five or six years old, but I remember sort of thinking to myself, you know, he looks cool. You know, mm. he's got he's got that guitar. He's in the middle. I mean, I, don't, I can't really see it on there, but trying to describe it to the viewers, you know, Paul's on one side, he's slightly cocked to one side. Ringo's at the back with his gob open, looking a bit gormless, to be fair. John's halfway through a song, but George 
just standing there playing the guitar looking magnificent. Do you, yeah. do you understand? Do you mm. guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I always think that George is the coolest Beatle anyway. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, he, he, he always wore the best clothes. He always looked the best, you know, by far. He has the same thing that... Oh, sorry, go on, Andy. No, no, I think that's why I liked him. I probably didn't realise why I liked him because I was only, like, five or six or eight years old. You mm. just you just like what you like, in, you know, in the same way I liked Strawberry Angel Delight. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, you don't really understand why you like it. You just like it because, it, you know, you just do. It's only when you get older mm. that you start going, ah, that's why I like it. And I think, I think he's got the same thing as kind of like what John Entwistle had with The Who, hasn't he? They're, there's... Quite loud personalities in that band, but then George is kind of the, I guess, the slick back kind of cool, keeps himself yeah. to himself one. Well, the pictures I sent over to you, you know, sort of research in this program, there's pictures with him with the Rickenbacker, mm. which is obviously what um, Pete Townsend uses later, and obviously Weller had one. Yeah. Now, Weller said that he had one because of Pete Townsend, which and I don't doubt he got it for that reason but that it must be in the back of his mind that George mm. has one as well you know and, and I think when you look at them you know you look at George and he's wearing that beautiful silver suit with the, what they call the rocker collar isn't it Simon where it's got like the velvet or the suede collar yeah 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 he's wearing that guitar he just looks fab you know mm. and and he and if you notice the suit doesn't buckle it sits do you understand, yeah. do you understand yeah. what I'm trying to put and you see a lot of guys even even for all the the seventies and stuff, but you see when the the strap holds over here, it always sort of kind of goes like wrong. Does that make sense? I've heard and that they used to make suits like specifically to design like that, especially for people like is it like Fred Astaire who would be dancing? He'd go to the tailor, get his suit tailored to him, and dance in the shop to check that it it sat like oh, that. Oh really? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a nice story. Because I wonder if George did that. He took his guitar along. <laughs> and I also well, like the picture, the picture you sent as well with uh, with George and his crazy jacket, which was actually made from furniture fabric. Yes, because yeah, Warren Gold, Lord John was telling me that they got um, they went to Liberties and bought a load of old uh, curtain fabric and furniture fabric and just made jackets out of them. You know, and, and there's a fantastic picture that you sent of uh, George Harrison wearing this this jacket made from furniture fabric. Well, that, that, didn't him and Hendrix do the same? Yeah, and you know why I like that picture, though, don't you? Have you not seen what's on his face? Oh, the shoes. It's got to be something to do with shoes. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a pair of red cord shoes on, which we still haven't done because we can't get the red cord. Are you going to do it? Say again. Are you going to do it? Well, if I can get the red cord, it's getting the red cord. You can only. There's only about um ten different type. What they call because it's not cords like you wear on your trousers they're cord and they're made designed to for making them um, bags and stuff with do, do, do you understand what i mean so mm. it covers the stuff so i don't think you can get you can't just get it's only like about 10 colors i'm gonna if i get if i want to get it i'm gonna have to get like meters of the stuff you know and it's gonna cost an absolute arm and a leg and um, just other, other things i like about george so there's a picture of, with patty boyd he obviously had a very pretty girlfriend um, they were the total celebrity couple, weren't they? Mm. Um, I mean, but interestingly, and there's something I'd like Simon definitely to pick up on, once they get to 69, every all pop stars, including like Ronnie Elaine, Stevie, uh, Marriott, and all of them, their fashion sense totally went out the window. What was going on there? Have you got any views well, on I that? I have part? a theory. <laughs> 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 
I think um, I think what happens is obviously in the early days they, they wear their stage clothes, so they all look the same. They've all got very very smart. This is early sixties, so they're all wearing the suits and the, the shirts and the ties because you know they want the mums and dads to like them. You know, so they, they're probably <laughs> yeah. told what to wear. Uh, and then as the 60s changes into the, the mid-60s and then you go into the late 60s, they're probably fed up with being told what to wear and fed up with, you know, fame and stardom. And, you know, and I think they rebel a bit. And if you look at, like, 1970, some of the last photographs, they're all doing double denim. They've all got denim on, yeah. long hair, beards, mm. crazy hats. They just sort of don't yeah. care anymore. You know, they're, they're not going to conform to, uh, you know, be told to what... Most pop stars now, they have a stylist and uh, they're told what to wear, but there must come a point. And I mean, yeah, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk about... It's interesting you say that, Simon, but, you, you know, like the mid-60s, George Harrison was very... Do you think he was very pop? Because you look at those pictures with him with Patty, and, you know, he looks, he looks contemporary, but is that because he had a young girlfriend, he's going out on the town, and, you know, he's proving himself? I think with the fashions. I think, you know, as you go yeah. through this... Is fashions change and you change with it, you know. And I think he just went along with what was going on, you know, yeah, what was in the shops. Because at the end of the day, he'd be going down Carnaby Street, down the King's Road, you know, and uh, just buying what, what was in the shops, really. Just going what you were saying a minute, Simon, a minute ago, Simon. I saw an interview the other week with George Lazenby, who played James Bond just the one time. And part of the reason was because he annoyed the producers that much when he was off screen. Because he grew his hair long, he grew the beard, he'd wore, wear the flares, and they wanted him to be Bond around the clock all the time. And he said he'd go into kind of a pub or a, a restaurant, and people would call him waiter because they thought because he was the only one with <laughs> short hair at the time, he just clashed with everyone around him. I guess yeah. it was good, like what you were saying that people were just wanting to rebel, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm going to talk about Steve McQueen in a minute, and um, if you look at him in his later years, again, he's got long hair, beard. You know, he just seems to have not so much given up, but he's probably fed up with being recognised and fed up with the whole fame. Mm. And he's just, I think he became a bit of a recluse. So I think they just, uh, they don't give up, but I think they just yeah. let themselves go. For, I, for think, I think that could be true, Simon. You know, there's, there's pictures of McCartney, isn't there, when he went off to Scotland, you know, when the Beatles was about to break up, and he's got the beard. Mm. And that was obviously a way of hiding you know, because I, I was listening to a podcast the other day and Life magazine turned up to the place in Malakintar where, where that was. And he basically threw war at them or something and told them to, you know, bugger off, <laughs> you know. And uh, um, and apparently, you know, he, that, but when he came back he, for the Abbey Road crossing picture, he shaved again. So he'd obviously, perhaps, perhaps it was like you say, it was so he could get around without being recognised, do, do you know what I mean? Mm. But it's interesting you say about the rebelling thing, do you, you know, is it is is that what it was about, perhaps more into the 70s, it was like, I'm a rock star, so it sh I shouldn't have to conform, whereas the 60s was about conforming, do, do you think? Or? I think, um, I mean, again, another one of my theories, I think <laughs> if, you're, if you're in fashion or furniture or car design or, or motorcycle design, I think you design until you get it right. And I think in the 60s, they got everything right. Cars, motorbikes, I mean, design-wise motorbikes, they probably didn't start. But fashion, furniture, art, it suddenly all came together. And then you get into the 70s where people say, well, we've got to change it because we've got to change it. And you've got kipper ties and flares and platform shoes mm. that look dreadful. 
but they had to change for the sake of change and you know mm. and it was awful yeah yeah i think you're probably right on that one yeah um there is um just just finishing george off you know uh, from my point of view i think i think a lot of them lost their way in terms of the appeal to me I mean, I was thinking about if we're going to do future ones of these, you know, who would who would be there's obvious icons like Weller, but other people like like Suggs and stuff. I think as you get, as you get older, different people come into your life, don't they? And mm. like you're, one of you's doing Michael Caine, I believe. Do you, do do you know what I mean? You know, Michael Caine comes into your life when you watch the Italian job and you go, ah, then why would be here? Do 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 you see where I'm going? So yeah. I still like I still love George, and I can I now appreciate him. And what he did and how he looks even more now, but I, I, from a different point of view, it's not so impulsive. Does, mm. does that make sense? It's yeah. kind of with a much more mature mind. But that's enough about George. <laughs> who are we on to next? Who are we so, on to next, Bob? So now we're on to Simon. And Simon, who have you chosen? And can you tell us a little bit why? Yeah, well, um, as I said before, I've chosen <coughs> Steve McQueen, uh, the King of Cool. And mm. um one of the reasons why, uh, when I was selling Barracuda, uh, I'm just holding this book up to the camera, so if you're listening, you can't see it. But this is a book that was done by a photographer called William Claxton, and he followed Steve Round in the 60s and took loads and loads of pictures uh, of just him and his girlfriend and, you know, uh, filming uh, some of his films and just at home. And I just love love his style. He's obviously wearing his own clothes. He's got barracuda. He's got chinos, white t-shirt. Just very, very simple. Um, mm. But a really, really cool look. And then if you think about his films, so, for example, Bullet. I mean, you're going to come on to Michael Caine. What I love about the Ipcrest file and Bullet is it's sort of a James Bond thing, but they go shopping. So Michael Caine goes shopping in the supermarket and buys Campbell's suit. Mm. And then Steve McQueen's, Steve McQueen's shopping and he's buying those microwave meals or whatever he's doing. But you'd never see James Bond doing a bit of shopping. No, never. So they're, <laughs> almost like, they're almost like the anti-hero. But again, he's in the supermarket. He, you know, he's just parked his Mustang outside. He looks really, really cool. And the other one was uh, Thomas Crown Affair. I mean, I've, I've been watching that again. Mm. And another fantastic 60s film and and all the gangsters they've all got suits on dark glasses and and trilby hats when they they rob the bank and steve mcqueen in his suits and then he's playing golf and he's got a great turtleneck on uh and then flying the glider he's got the barracuda and the uh, the playboy desert boot shoes i just think his style in the 60s you know was fantastic and then obviously later on he started to grow his hair and had a beard and the cowboy hats. So, but is, for that, me, so is that what is that what happens? Do you, do you think? I mean, and, and Tom, you, you, you're we let the cat out of the bag already. You're going to do Michael Caine. Did he did he did he keep his call all the way through? I'm, I don't ever remember seeing him untidy on telly. Do you, do you understand what I mean? Is it is it that me and Simon have picked people that have kind of a, how can I put this? They, they were they were great for that time. Does that make sense? I is think that, as, that what we yeah, I think I think as well. What used to happen a lot of the time that directors would want an own a part of the person playing the character on screen, wouldn't they? So it's like a lot of what Steve McQueen was wearing on screen is stuff that he was actually wearing off screen as well, like the G nine mm -hmm. that Simon mentioned and the, the chucker boots and all that. It was you were getting more than just an act of Steve McQueen, weren't you? It's kind of you're getting the personality as well. 
Have you seen the Cincinnati Kid? I, I haven't that, seen that. No, well, it's, 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 it's hilarious because it's supposed to be set in the twenties, and he's walking around look, looking like he, he's at the sixties. <laughs> he's wearing like leather jackets and turtlenecks, like he's in the sixties. But it's supposed to be set in the twenties, and he just looks totally out. But he looks really cool. Mm. But if you look at it, you just think wardrobe must have said, no, "Come on, Steve, you know, can you can you try a little bit harder?" Yeah, well, that, that Simon, that's the thing. A lot of those seventies films, when they're trying to do twenties films, I'm trying to think like Bugs and Malone and stuff. They can't get them to cut their hair right. Do, do, do you know what I mean? One of the good things, I mean, if you watch like Call the Midwife, that they, they do, I think they get that pretty good. You know, for mm. a BBC production, most of the stuff is pretty good. And the hair, the hair always gives it away. Have you seen <laughs> Escape to Victory with Michael Caine? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hair in there is, is dreadful. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hair, and they're supposed to be in a prisoner of war camp. And they're all about 50 years old. Yeah. And, and they've all got long hair, long 70s yeah. haircuts. <laughs> Who's, who's, is it the Newcastle or the Birmingham City? Is it Trevor? What's, he's got the tash and the long hair. He's just architectural Northern Soul fan from up north in yeah. in that time, isn't he? And there he is, like you say, with the tash. There's just no way on earth he would be in a prisoner walk. I mean, he'd be like, go and get your hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at a picture of Wigan, he's in every photo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we star jumper. But, uh, <laughs> So yeah, I mean, like I say, going back to the Steve McQueen thing, um, I mean, that book, when I worked for Barracuda, we took it to some of the trade shows in uh, Berlin and, and in, um, in Paris, and he was the best salesman we had because we were trying to plug Barracuda. And all you, all you did was show a picture of Steve McQueen wearing a Barracuda, and they're like, wow, okay, we'll buy some. You know, it was as easy as that. Mm. Yeah, okay. But is it is it to do with the Great Escape, Simon? Do you think there's? I mean, I know you've mentioned those other films, but he's in the Great Escape. It's the elusive. He never gets over the thing. You know, is is that people of our age just reminiscent? Did no, you I, I, just, I just think whatever film he's in, he just steals the scene. I mean, uh, look yeah. at the Magnificent Seven when they're they're on the the wagon yeah. going up the hill. Well, well, your Brenner was a star, but Steve McQueen sits next to him. And all he's got to do is sit next to him, but he, he tilts his hat in the sun, he, he loads his gun, and, and we're all looking at Steve. We're not looking at Will Brenner at all. You know, and I don't even think he speaks in it, but he just has a way of, of making you... I think his bit in the, the Great Escape, it wasn't a very big bit, but it gradually got bigger. And it was his idea to do the famous uh, motorcycle jump. Because I don't even yeah, think that wasn't was... that his triumph, or am I just? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah and he, he nearly did the jump, didn't he? But the, the director wouldn't let him, and because of the insurance or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so it's he... Bud Bud Eakins, I think it was who did. That's it. right. But legend has it that he actually did do it. He, yeah. He proved, yeah. He wasn't on film, but legend has it that he did do it. I love that scene because if you watch some of the German soldiers chasing Steve McQueen, they are Steve McQueen just in a German soldier's <laughs> oh, uniform. Yeah, Chase he, did, he did drive the car. He did drive the car in um, Bullet, didn't he? Mm. I mean, you can tell it. Mm. You can definitely tell it's him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So other, that, that's mine. Steve McQueen. In, but in terms of his, your favourite outfits, Simon, what were your favourite outfits? Oh, it would be the Barracuda G9 with a turtleneck and a pair of chinos and some desert boots. It's just just so simple to me, and a, and a trench coat. You know, it's. 
and even just a white t-shirt, a pair of jeans and some desert boots, just very simple. But uh, it looks so cool there. It, I, I'll give you that, mate, because I, I think it's one of those, when you talk about, like, certainly like the revival mods talk about and certainly some of the mods back in the day, it's not about kind of screaming mod or whatever, you know, it's about kind of the nod. Do, do you understand what I mean? Mm, and yeah. if you see someone in that outfit, even now, it's the, all right, yeah, you know, and it, that's yeah. all it needs. Yeah, you, yeah. You know I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, the whole like Ivy League look is very understated. It's not about labels and you know where yes. you know like Gucci, Prada, you know Hugo Boss. That is sort of I've got loads of money. I can afford these tops. I'm doing very well. Whereas I think the Ivy League is very conservative, very understated. You know, but it, it's just so so cool. Yes, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, I think it's true. There's a Tom? scene in Bullet, I was about to go on from what you were saying, that I th he's the one man that can make a shawl look like the coolest item of clothing. I think it's when he's in the hospital and he's got like a, a burgundy yeah. shawl on. I saw that and I was like, oh God. I well, my favourite, my favourite bit is where he gets up in the morning and he's wearing the most awful pyjamas you've ever seen. Yeah. He just looks so cool and he makes a coffee and the boss comes up and he's woke him up and but he's wearing a pair of old like granddad's Pajamas. Yeah, I mean, yeah. only Steve McQueen would do that. Mm, definitely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fair point. I've, I, I, I don't know if you top Trump me yet, Simon. But uh, <laughs> uh, should, we, should we see if Tom's going to top Trump all of us? Yeah, this could be a BBC quiz show, couldn't it? With buzzers yeah. and all sorts. <laughs> but yeah, um, I've chosen Michael Caine, as we said. Uh, Michael Caine. I, I think when I, I first saw him in the Italian job, maybe on Christmas Day, on when it was on telly being repeated for the 80th time that year or something <laughs> when I was really little and I remember seeing him just straight away being like he's the coolest guy I think I've ever seen in a film and when I found out he wanted to have a character that wore glasses and was blonde I think that just hit me even more because at school I wearing glasses and that it, you were never the coolest kid but then seeing someone on screen that was like that it was just I don't know someone to look up to almost. It was like when Daniel Craig was James Bond for the first time, you're like, oh, a blonde Bond. This is great. <laughs> but it's I, love just... that, I love the beginning of the Ipcrest file because he's in the kitchen, he's just making coffee, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he makes, uh, the girlfriend comes around and he makes, uh, I'm going to make you the best uh, meal you've ever had, you know. Yeah, and yeah. you just didn't get that with James Bond, you know. And, no, and like no. I say, he wore glasses and... You know, he was like the the anti-hero, wasn't he? And I well, think that, like he, I suppose the, the obvious one is like when when he's in. I'm sure you're going to tell us, and I hope I'm not. Stealing no, 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 no. The, 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 the get Carter one, isn't it? Mm. You know, he just looks magnificent. Yeah. You you, you you've got to give. Yeah, sorry, Tom, I'm stealing your phone. No, 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 not at all. It, just kind of what Simon was saying as well about Steve McQueen. I think Michael Caine has the same thing. It's he looks cool because everything he's wearing is so simple. There's no I don't know. Obviously, he wouldn't wear an Adidas coat, but there's no out there brands like in your face or anything like that. And I don't know. There's a photo that I sent across when we were looking up all this stuff. And he's just in there in a card. He's stood against the wall in a cardigan, which otherwise may look pretty, I don't know, old school and a bit, I don't know, bit square or whatever. But because it's Michael Caine, he just carries it and oh, it's his own character. I might have some. I might have some thoughts on that one. Have you read his autobiography, Tom? I yes. haven't. I Ashamed, gonna... I haven't, but I should have. Yeah, well, I he, have. Says about, he says about in that, like, when they gave him the Zulu job, 
they said, well, he said one of the first things, which I, I think he learned off Walter Matto, because Matt, Walter Matthew, with Matt, whatever his surname is, was on telly. And they said to him, how do you become, how do you learn your part? And he said, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to work out how they walk. Because mm. if you can work out how they walk, then the rest comes from that. And Walter Matto was doing this on, not Wilgood, it was Parkinson. It was Parkinson in the 70s, Simon. It was brilliant. And he showed you all the different walks he could do. And he said, now you're thinking this about me by doing this walk. And he went off. Yeah. And in Michael Caine's book, he says about when he was trying to be the general in Zulu, it was about putting his arms beyond because he's, you know, and walking like Prince Philip. Mm. So perhaps he learned how to walk. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's, yeah, about, it's about knowing how to hold yourself. Just, just, just well, he was, he, he'd come out of Alfie, which is a very cockney film, wasn't it? And, and yeah. straight into where he's playing a, an upper class. And uh, I don't think they wanted to give him the, the part because they didn't think he could play an upper class officer. But mm -hmm. I think he pulled it off really, really well. I think he was brilliant in it. And also in the book, autobiography, him and Terence Stamp shared a flat behind Yeah, him. they did. Can you imagine what yeah, they yeah. That. Two of the two of the top male actors, you know, sharing yeah. a flat together. I think good. it was Terence Stamp that have you heard the story of how Michael Caine met his wife? That he was so I think it was, I don't know if it was Terence Stamp or not, but it was another actor living with him and they were watching telly one night. And he said, This Brazilian woman came on the TV and he was like, We're off to Brazil tomorrow. And she was on this advert advertising something. And because he had the money, he kind of was like, right, we're doing that tomorrow, but first we'll go out to a nightclub and have a good night. He went to this nightclub, bumped into an uh, advert director he knew. And he said, how are you doing? What are you doing at the minute? And he was like, well, tomorrow I'm going to go to Brazil. I've seen the love of my life. And he was like, all right, what, what advert was it? And he explained it. And the, direct, the guy was like, that's my advert. I directed it. I can put you in touch with a woman. <laughs> and he said he, he kept ringing that woman over and over and over again. And she just kept saying, no, no, no. And he said it must have been 30 odd times. And he got to the last time and was like, if she doesn't answer now, I'll never bother again. And she answered and said, oh, let's meet up and go out. And they've been together ever since. Oh, well, can you imagine the phone going? If, if, um, if you're doing an advert and you're not a famous actress and someone says, oh, Michael Caine's on the phone. You're like, <laughs> yes. yeah, right. And then the next night, you know, Michael Caine's on the phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, she yeah, must yeah. have thought someone was winding her up. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it's the, one of them voices as well that everyone does. So you just be like, all right, who is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny as well, yeah, mentioning so James Bond, he was actually, I'm not sure if it was when Sean Connery was being considered. He was one of the people considered to be James Bond and he turned it down because of Ipcris file being around at the same time. And I was oh. that they were made by the same production companies like Harry Salzman. And yeah. uh, I'm not sure if Albert Broccoli was a part of Chris Vile, but yeah, he was going to be James Bond and he turned it down. Wow. So what are your favourite outfits of him, Tom? Probably the scene, and I know Simon likes this one as well because I've seen him share it before. It's when he's in the airport in the Italian job and he's got like the <laughs> beige linen suit and the sunglasses. I just think, yeah, it's a really cool says, outfit. Look neither to the left nor to the right. To the right. Straight <laughs> ahead. <laughs> That's the one. But yeah, like... Not many people could pull off that suit the way he does, but I think, yeah. I think all the outfits, if you look at the Italian job, all the outfits in there, you know, the, the flowery shirts and the flowery ties, the suits, um, the leather jackets, the gloves, mm. you know, everything. It's yeah. one of these films where they really think about 
what yeah, you yeah. know the wardrobe which is brilliant and the whole thing the cars if you look at all the cars you know someone really thought about the the film visually mm. the, the whole thing i think There's that's why it works. i think it works and it's why we still watch it now mm. because it's just it's just brilliant there's an outfit when they're on the Alps and there's the standoff with the Mafia. He's wearing like a suede trench coat with a, a white turtleneck. And it just looks exactly what you imagine someone to be wearing in 60s Italy. I don't know. It just looks so contemporary for that era. It just looks like, I don't know, everyone in that kind of scene, it looks like a fashion show of exactly what you imagine Europe to have looked like back then, I think. Yeah, yeah I'll give you that. Yeah, I'll give you that. Do, do, have you watched Get Carter? Well, do you know Get Carter, Tom? Yeah, one of my favourites. Yeah, great film. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Because I, I, I lived up there, and I'm pretty certain I live around the corner from where, where they stay. I've tried oh, to really? find... Yeah, yeah. And um, I know that road where he stays with the landlady. Mm. And, and, and I know that road was... I don't want to be rude about anybody in Newcastle, but it was rough. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of... You know, when, they, when he must have turned up with that, Cockney accent. I mean, I was there in the nineties, yeah. And to turn up there with a Cockney accent in the nights, I'm not Cockney, but I sound like I'm from London a bit. And you know, that used to get looks. You know, can you imagine the production company all transporting yeah, up yeah, there yeah. to make that feel? From the locals, must have just like, come on, lads. <laughs> you know? I get it the other way around because the, I'm one of three Northerners in my family, and the rest are Cockneys from proper Lambeth, Michael Caine land. So if I go back there, I get the same stick as what I probably, they would have got back then, but yeah. That was, uh, that was the whole thing about the film though, wasn't it? I mean, he was from London. His brother was up there and he got killed and he went up there to find out what, what, was, uh, what went on. And he, he gets off the train, goes in the pub and, um, and he's like, pint of beer. And they look at him and he clicks his fingers and he goes, straight glass, you know. So, yeah, yeah. He, he must have stuck out like a, a sore thumb. And there. this is probably just, this is looking at it as art and probably a bit too over the top. But it's almost like in the Ipcris well, where he's meant to be a, a good guy. He's wearing a white Mac. And then in Git Carter, he's got like a black trench coat. Well, I always wonder if that was an intentional thing. Probably not, but mm. I don't know. It's like he's gangster now. He's got that black Mac, but it just suits the character so well. Mm. Yeah, no, you could be right there. I mean, Wardrobe were probably thinking, well, we want to, you know, move away from his character. How can we do it? We mm. still want him in a trench coat, but, you know, you're probably right. You know, they, they, they chose a, a black trench coat, so. I think do as you, well, the, sorry, Andy, yeah? No, 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 I was just all I was going to say was, do you think with Kane, the reason, he, and, and again with McQueen, they hold the screen, because unlike me, they say less. Mm. Do, 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 you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a bit like Clint Eastwood. I mean, Clint Eastwood, he, he took uh, things out of the script, so he actually said less, you know, which I yeah. think makes it a better character when you go and see the man with no name. You know, he hardly says anything, but when he does say something, people listen. It's almost like you're trying to think of what they're thinking. That's why, isn't it? They kind of take over the, the scene that they're in. Well, but, but you said about that scene where he goes to, to the, 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 the pub. I know the pub. It's literally obviously It's still there. He was there when I was at college. And it was, it was a rough pub, but it was a proper transient pub. You know, it's one of those, you, you're going to get a train, you're not. You know, no one drank in there. It was just one of them places. But there's the, thing, the, the picture where isn't there with the, with the bloke, but the, that bloke's got six fingers, hasn't he? And who's sitting it's at the bar five, next to him? Five fingers, one thumb. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's loads of bits like that, but it's the fact that he's got the nerve to kick 
Kane walks in it. I know it's set up, and I know it's a, you know, it's a film, but it's mm. the way he walks in there and has the nerve to kind of go, da da. Mm. You know, I I don't care. You know, mm. I'm I know where I am. I know I'm from London. I know I'm in a northern pub. He's not saying I'm hard. It's just saying, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, it's almost exactly. like a dog having a wee around the pub. It's like, I yes. own this place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. well, what I love about 60s movies is when they do film in public because of the budget, they couldn't shut everywhere down. And I think get Carter, there's points in that where you're like, that, people don't know. People, well, people are like, that's Michael Caine running down the road <laughs> with a shotgun and he's half naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, definitely yeah. the case in that, I think. Like it's the parade scene. Like at the junction, you know, at the junction mm. with Dennis Waterman. I mean, a lot of that was filmed outside. And it's, it's so obvious that there's just normal people walking around, you know, in the factory and in the streets. Uh, when she goes shopping, you know, they, they just would have take, taken the camera in the streets and just shot what was there in the market. So, yeah, they would have just been normal people. Mm. I think I think that's quite common, Simon. Is it, is it, is it the film Lever Boys, the, the one about the, the rockers in the eighth <laughs> yeah. cap? Yeah, and and apparently they said in that that there was a lady on telly and she was saying, you know, we just filmed around them and they just mm. carried on. We we didn't sort, of, they sort of didn't get in the way. You sort of think if you did that now, people would be, you know, going at the camera. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? They just they couldn't, have, especially somebody like me. I'll be like. <laughs> just in the background I can't help myself it's the people kind of... on the radio uh, Andy's just put two fingers up and then one <laughs> people who can't see us we blurred them out though so you can't hear them it's fine <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's true but Kane Kane is quite good does he top Trump McQueen then Simon does it does he, does he... oh that's a hard I mean, one I was gonna we, we had this argument me and Tom I mean it would have been either Kane it would have been Kane Paul Newman Steve McQueen um, it is difficult. I think they're on a level level playing field. Not to say that George Harrison shouldn't be there. You know, we all love <laughs> He's from a different world, though, isn't he? Almost. It's it's like... Yeah, but and that's. I think that's perhaps what what, what would you know if we talk about the podcast and the people listening and wondering what we're babbling on about. That <laughs> that's where I find it interesting. Is that I think that there's a certain amount of pop culture, and whether the artist reflected fashion or made fashion do you understand what I mean in the same way that people always say oh it's because such and such was famous but I'm not drawn from films so Simon works part does work for Kibichi they do a Lineker and, and they do a Vinny but Lineker is kind of because of a film based thing you know we, you watch that film and you think I want to be like them in the same way that we sell the Pinky Blinder boots you mm. see the Pinky Blinder boots and you think that's cool I, I, I could do that I like that and I think I think fashion is influenced by film, TV, um, music, you know, because you, you see something on screen or you see something on telly or, you you know, you, you see a, an album cover and you go, wow, you know, I want to look like that. And then you, you find you find out where to get the clothes and, you know, you, you adopt that style. So I think it's a massive, massive influence. Like you say, I mean, um, the Peaky Blinders, that, that was a, a huge influence on fashion for a while. Still think it is actually, you know. Everyone who got married, they all wanted to look like Thomas Shelby, you know. Yeah. I think they still do, uh, and that came out of Broadwalk Empire. And we we've spoken about this before. It's the the wealthy people like um, uh, Thomas Shelby. Well, he's not wealthy to start with because he's just got one suit and, and he hasn't got a tie and he hasn't got a collar. But as he gets more and more money, then he starts to wear 
three-piece suits, overcoats, a tie. You know, he's showing his wealth. The same with the Broadwalk Empire, Nucky Thompson. You know, he wears a three-piece suit. The butler would have laid it out for him before uh, he, he went to work in the morning because he was wealthy, whereas the guys in the, you know, the, the warehouse loading all the, the whiskey would have been in what I call workwear, which is the flat caps, uh, you know, granddad collar, waistcoat, which is a really cool look, actually. A lot of people are adopting that workwear look. So, yeah, it's, it's all to do with money. If you had loads of money, you, you showed off. Well, and, and, and it's a, a modest aesthetic. I mean, it's interesting. If you read back through some of the books, you know, a lot of people, you, you get the impression that, kind of, talking about the mods, because that's kind of what we're all into, but, you know, you, you get this impression everybody walked around in a free-button mohair suit. You look at, actually look at Ready, Steady, Go pictures, which apparently were top mods. Most of them haven't got mohair suits on. They've got kind of a decent, a good T-shirt or a top. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Or yeah. a fancy mm. jacket. It's And they're making their own mark. It's not kind of, uh, no disrespect to Adams of London, but it's not just an Adams of London free-button mohair suit. No. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you think about it, these were young young men. They were 16, 17, 18 years old, and they probably earned hardly any money at all. So they're not going to go out and buy, you know, a, a, a mohair suit. You know, they just couldn't afford it. And like we were talking when we first got into mod, we were 16, 17. I mean, I earned £26 a week, and a pair of uh, Shelly shoes was sixteen ninety nine. So, you know, that's all your wages gone nearly on that. So... And that's assuming your mum didn't want any of the money for the for keep. <laughs> that's yeah. assuming you all had a keep all of it. <laughs> petrol for your petrol for your scooters. So you know, we just had, we just didn't have the money. Uh, you know, but we, I do we, think just trying to make not round this program off, but keep it no. about what we're talking about. But I think it's important that when you you know when I talk thought about George, you know, to this day, you know, if you'd have asked the eight year old me what do I want to be, I wanted to be George Harrison. Mm. Do, do, do you understand what I mean? Because, and I probably, I kept that dream probably till I was about 22, you know, and then I sort of thought, perhaps I'm not going to be a pop star with these looks. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, but you understand what I'm saying. There's a certain yeah. amount of, there's, there's still like, you're wearing that barracuda. I know you're wearing that barracuda because in the back of your head, you think, cool, Steve McQueen. Of course I am. Of course I am. It's not the reason why I bought Chucker Boots from you at all, Andy. Promise. <laughs> 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 so are we are we going to try and argue our case of who who is the biggest star icon or is it is, is that not the point or should we Andy, there's no, Andy there's no need Steve <laughs> yeah. yeah he said it when he was like king of cool let's just shut yeah, up yeah, everyone yeah. else it's like Game room 101 <laughs> Game over <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 just because so, yours was Beatle Look, mate, I can put, I can pick any like of the artists. I think for the the Beatles, I think because they were the toppermost of the poppermost and all that stuff. Of course, they can have access to the best stuff. You know, John had enough money that he could go and buy that um, suede jacket on the front of Rubber Soul, and I think it was in Cecil G. Simon, was it the, the shop mm. where they bought that from? And that wasn't yeah. cheap. I mean, it was like something yeah. ridiculous, like eight, eight, 80 pounds or something, which was in now in these days like eight hundred pounds. Yeah. You know, and there's a long, I'll, I'll quickly tell the story. Do you know the story that what happened is somebody brought that jacket and he, he uh, during the day, he took it home and, he's, and he paid for it on the, on the knock. 
And his mum says, you're not paying that amount of money for that jacket, take it back. And so he took it back and uh, the, the, the sales assistant, oh God, right, yeah, I'll give you your money back and just like that. But it had a little kind of mark on it. And so they put it out the back. And so John Lennon turned up and he said, you, you had a lovely suede jacket in the, in the, in the thing, if, if you still got it. He said, well, honey, you mentioned it, it had been sold, but, um, but the bloke brought it back. Would you like to try it on? And John Lennon tried it on. And that's how he got the jacket. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so there's stories like that, which, you know, they would have had access, you know, they, so mm -hmm. they were they leading fashion? No, but they could afford to shop anywhere. And that, that's, I think, what's interesting about all three of the, the, the people we've talked to today. The money elevated them and allowed them to do stuff that perhaps others couldn't do. Does that, does that yeah, make yeah. sense? Yeah. And, uh, um, but I don't know, that, there's my case for George Harrison. Talking about Barracuda, I mean, it's like Elvis Presley in King Creole. I mean, he wears a Barracuda in that, but apparently it was the cameraman, it was a, an English guy, had a Barracuda on, and he lent him uh, the Barracuda. Oh, really? wow. And he wore it all the way through the film, so it wasn't actually Elvis Presley's jacket, he just he nicked it off the cameraman, you know, <laughs> and then, he, then it becomes iconic. You know, because Elvis wore it, Steve McQueen wore it. You know, these these items of clothing become icon iconic because you know James Dean wore a McGregor uh, jacket. You know, again, he, he made mm. that the red uh, Harrington jacket there. They In Tarantino's latest film, there's um, a scene where they've recreated like a kind of McQueen esque movie scene, and it's got Leonardo DiCaprio wearing one, isn't there? And it's just. It's the fact that they knew to put that in. It obviously shows that the Barracuda is a statement of that kind yeah. of character, isn't it? It's a sim It's almost. It's like a cape, almost. For it just says that's the that's the hero. He's got the jacket. Yeah, I mean, when I went to see it, and uh, Steve McQueen came on, and I kept looking. I think, who the hell is that actor playing Steve McQueen? <laughs> it, it was Damien Lewis. That's right. Yeah, yeah. What did you uh, think of that? I'm. I, I was kind it was of. Brilliant. Yeah. I thought I thought he looked just like him, and I just kept looking at him, and I thought, who is that? It's Damien Lewis. And, yeah. No, I thought he, he was brilliant. The, that film is really... It's oh, really yeah, yeah, brilliant. And I think a lot of people slated it unfairly just because I, I love that it's almost just a microscope on Hollywood at, at that time. It, it's, not, uh, it's not all story. I, that's what I kind of like about it. It's just it's almost like you're people watching in Hollywood in that era. Yeah, I mean, I've watched it again and again, and, and mm. you miss bits. You just have to keep watching it. I remember we went to the cinema with my wife, and she said, oh, that was rubbish. It all happens at the end. Well, all the blood and gore happens at the end, but the yeah. rest of it, it's just Yeah, but brilliant. that's not the point. The point, if you, what, the point to the film, if you know your pop or you know your history, you're going, hold on, mm. where are they going? Do you know what I mean? And you, and you start to... It depends if you really, if you read as, if you're as bad as me and you've got that. Look, downstairs I've got like that many books. And I started about halfway through, I went, hold on, are they meant to be? Oh, right, okay. Mm. And I started getting the story before the rest of the people. Now, if I'm showing off, I meant to, when I went to see that yesterday film, you know, the one about the Beatles, the bloke who wakes up and playing the Beatles song. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Beatles yeah. I got jokes like a good five seconds before the rest of the audience had explained <laughs> right and i'm laughing and everybody's looking at me probably like, think you wrote it or something yeah yeah <laughs> and, and my wife went well, why are you laughing oh right yeah yeah that's funny and i went <laughs> <laughs> well just just going back to the the once upon a time in hollywood 
I mean, I think it's, it's like a, an alternative ending. It's like, what would happen if Clint Eastwood and his bodyguard lived next door to Sharon Tate and these people got the wrong house? Mm. Because obviously what happened is they went round to Sharon Tate's and they killed everybody. But this is a, an alternative... Sorry to anyone who hasn't seen the film, but, but you know, what would happen if, if you stumbled across... You picked Steve the wrong Quinn. person, Simon. Well, yes. you picked the wrong person. They got lucky because they picked the, the, the weak ones. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if Steve McQueen opened the door with his bodyguard or, you know, if, if someone like that, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what happened, you know. But unfortunately, the real story is that they they turned up and they, they killed Sharon Tate. And, it's uh, Have you ever met Dougal Butler, Simon, who was uh, Keith Moon's driver? He, no. he tells a story about... <laughs> <laughs> no, well, he, he, um, I've met him two or three times. He's, tiny, he's as tiny as me. And... Um, he tells a story about how um, him and Keith Moon would do uh, get up to tricks, and Keith Moon's house was next to Steve McQueen's house, and um, and apparently Keith Moon would keep telling playing parties and doing all these things, and Steve McQueen would come round with his gun and say, "It's time to stop, lads." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's kind of a. And, uh, yeah, That's uh, why he's the king of Say again. That's why he's the king of cool. <laughs> he tells. I'll, I'll tell you another story when when we've got to because I'm conscientious. I don't want us to babble on forever, and and I don't know what Tom's doing about trying to round us up. To it took you long long enough to log on, actually, Andy. So <laughs> we had to wait about an hour for you, anyway. That's yeah. all for the blooper reel, Simon. End of the year. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Dedicated Followers of Fashion Podcast, starring Simon Parr, Andrew Lindsay, and me, Tom Hoy. Remember, you can find us on Instagram at Dedicated Followers of Fashion, and if you want to get in touch or send us an email or anything like that, you can get hold of us at dedicatedfollowerspodcast at gmail.com. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Mod Shoes.